Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Not that moment. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're a great crowd. Okay, girls, we need the lane now. And your shoes. They were three small-town girls with big-time dreams. Who's a rock star? I am. Who wanted to share their music with the world. We can't sit around here waiting for it to happen. We are musicians. We should be out there playing music. We do play. Nobody believed in them. You know, you suck. But they believed in themselves. We're special. Yeah, special Ed. <laughs> Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch old movies and see how they hold up today in the modern eye. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is Blaine Pussycat Waters. Wow. Yes, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> is that like a Tom Jones reference? <laughs> What's new, Pussycat? Yeah. Was that song about Josie and the Pussycats? Just like What's New in Their World in Riverdale? Yeah, it's like, like did, did Tom Jones showed up <laughs> on an episode of the cartoon and wrote the song for them or something? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Before we get into the movie that we're going to talk about today, which... You might now, know what it now, is. Yeah. Now you know. Mm-hmm. We should first of all thank our Patreon. Thank you. Yes. Those are the people who give us one, three, five dollars a month, any amount of money, really, mm-hmm. and you get good stuff in return. You get the podcast early, mm-hmm. ad free. So you can go there and check it out. It's patreon.com slash rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about Josie and the Pussycats. Josie and the Pussycats. Rob, was this a big movie for you when you were a kid? I have to be honest, it wasn't a big movie. Yeah, and I think it wasn't for me either. And I think that's like the elephant in the room, that we're just two dudes talking about a movie that wasn't marketed to us at all. Yes, yes. But we do have a reason for doing this. True. This is a listener request. It was requested by Lacey Young, who wrote us. She said, Hey, Rewatchability, it would be such a treat to hear you do an episode on one of these films. And the first one she listed was Josie and the Pussycats. And that's as far as I read. <laughs> so that's the movie that we're doing. There was some uh, corrupt data. We lost the rest of the email. No, she says it's an iconic, campy masterpiece. Yeah, you, well, we're going to get into that, and we're going to see if it is. But thank you so much up top for requesting it. Mm-hmm. And we're only too happy to hop on and give give our biased opinion of it. I was excited to talk about yeah. this movie a little because I had seen bits of it or a large part of it a long time ago on the movie network. And I guess I have to admit that initially 
Mm-hmm. I was probably a bit dismissive. Of right. course, Josie and the Pussycats. It was a cartoon show. It was based off the Hanna-Barbera yeah. Archie comics sort of series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it had like a long history, but it was sort of both before my time and also, yeah, like you said, not really marketed towards me. Mm-hmm. However, I did happen to catch it on the movie network, and I was surprised at basically everything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like at the at the story, or how funny it was, or like what what surprised you? about Well, I it? guess like the message. First of all, right. this was a movie that really didn't have any right to be as satirical and right. on point as it did, because mm-hmm. after all, this is a weird sort of pop culture invention from the seventies. You know, mm-hmm. like the Archie comics. They were a big thing. Yeah. And I think, like, in the 90s, you would expect, like, uh, as as a lot of producers and studios did, where they're just, like, kind of churning up the the seafloor of people's nostalgia mm-hmm. to try to make a quick buck. That doesn't happen anymore. No. But no. Uh, And don't watch the new Josie and the Pussycats series on Showtime <laughs> right, or whatever. Exactly, yeah. I'm surprised that there isn't one because it only makes well, sense. Kind of is. After Riverdale. Yeah. After Sabrina, mm-hmm. Josie's got to come next, right? Yeah, she has to like fight zombies or something. Yeah, yeah. Everything can be redone and mm-hmm. done so it matters now. And Josie and the Pussycats was a little bit ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember seeing it bits and pieces of it. It was uh, definitely not marketed towards me, but when it was kind of on TBS and, and going through that, I was friends with an ex girlfriend of mine who was like a drummer in a band. Oh, um, and so I, I don't know. Rewatching this, I was like, oh yeah, this is a good times. And I feel like this movie was big for her. I remember her talking about it. So I think it's one of those movies that like does have that kind of representation to it, where girls didn't really see themselves in in movies a lot, or certainly in the movies that we watched when we were kids a lot. And I think this movie has it, but it's also, you're right, has that satirical bent to it too, mm-hmm. which is so fun. And so I'm I'm so glad we, we got to rewatch it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to kind of break down the, the plot for people who uh, were, were like us and only seen bits and pieces of it? All right. So, Josie and the Pussycats mm-hmm. starts out with a different sort of band. A boy band, if you will. <laughs> Not just any boy band. This is the hottest boy band of all, du jour. They're so hot, they named a soup after them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I like it already with the, like, they're going to last forever, like, named of, of the day. <laughs> the band. It's, uh, it's great writing to begin with. And it's it's all the kind of... Boy actors that you knew from the '90s. Yeah, we got Breckenmeyer, Seth yeah. Green, Donald Faison, another guy. Yeah, who's that other guy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But uh, he has one line later. It's good for him. And they're kind of the Backstreet Boys, the NSYNC, yeah, the 98 Degrees. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a spot on parody. Mm-hmm. Like, if the movie didn't evolve past this point, right. I would be okay with that. I would I would watch this satire of, of just this, this uh, band dying in a plane crash over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I ah man, these boy bands were so big when we were in high school and grade school and stuff. Like I mean, they were the thing. They, they were, were the thing. I mean, now I guess there's like other groups of boys who sing. Yeah, the boy bands kind of like I think still exist. Yeah. But we don't hear from them ever like now. Yeah. 
Or they're from Korea and very androgynous. Oh, yeah, for sure. Every time, yeah, every time I go to a restaurant, there's that like screen in the background. Yeah, uh, but when we were growing up, and I guess just before this movie sort of came out, yeah, the boy bands were mm-hmm. ubiquitous, and they sort of sucked all the musical air out of the room for everybody else. And I remember hating them so much. I hated and, them so much. And they, they had a fan base. Uh, it was a pretty rampant fan base. Mm-hmm. And I remember making fun of the Backstreet Boys uh, to this girl in grade seven. Mm-hmm. And and that was the first and only time I've ever been stuffed in a locker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She did not. She did not appreciate me making fun of it, and she was much bigger than I was. So I, <laughs> I was, I was no longer. I know. Yeah. Well, I and mean, so I would have liked this movie if when I was younger because it makes fun of the boy band right away. I think it gets boys on board on this movie uh, pretty early because of that. Right. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Good strategy, though. It is a little bit like I wondered, like how whether the satire is completely all right because. <laughs> Their song is a song called Backdoor Lover, and I think that's definitely playing off the idea that, you know, like a lot of people were in the 90s were like, oh, yeah, boy bands oh, are all gay. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah. They're just, it's a, it's a front. Oh, interesting. I didn't pick up on that, but that's totally what it was. Yes. Yeah, okay. So that part, I'm not... I don't think is as cool. Damn it, 90s. You ruin everything. <laughs> well, technically, this was 2001. This oh, okay. is the new millennium's problem. <laughs> this is a 90s hangover. Yeah. yeah. Though it is interesting. I, I know why you say 90s, because this does feel like more of a 90s movie. It seems like by oh, 2001, man. the fashion, the music that this was parodying was starting to fade away just a little bit. Yeah, and the bold colors, the oversaturation of everything, the even the camera angles in this made me think 90s right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but this boy band, mm-hmm. they start to hear something funny under their music. They hear mm-hmm. this track, which is telling people to buy things. So they ask their manager, mm-hmm. Wyatt, Alan Cumming, about this, and he has to set in motion Operation Chevy to the Levy, <laughs> which is not... The mission where you lend Eugene Levy your car, though he does show up later. <laughs> or you try to connect the Chevy Chase movie to a Eugene Levy movie. Yep, yep. Yeah, there go. <laughs> There's got to be one of them that they're in together. Mm-hmm. Like one of those 80s like buddy comedies. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> where like, Chevy is like the cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Eugene Levy is like the nerd who yeah. gets in his way and exactly. you know, he gets... Abused I feel like they kind of switched, switched positions <laughs> over the years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but no. In fact, they uh, caused this plane to crash, presumably killing this boy band. And meanwhile, Wyatt Alan Cumming jumps free, and suddenly he has a problem. He needs a new band. Mm-hmm. So where is he going to get this band? Well, there's a Riverdale sign right behind him. (laughs) Yeah, he lands outside Riverdale, and he just goes and, you know, starts walking around. And he literally runs into Josie and the Pussycats. You know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of that scene in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where, like, the music producer hears was, like, Smith's sister, like, singing in the record store. And he's like, get her a record contract. (laughs) (laughs) It was totally like that. Uh, But they're they're spoofing it. They're lampooning it. And it was pretty funny when he brings up the jewel case, the CD case, and, Mm -hmm. like, it all comes together, the cover of the CD case of their, you know, would-be album comes together in front of him. It's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And he wants to give them a record deal. He hasn't even heard them play. It's mm-hmm. sight unseen. Right. First alarm bell should be going off here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they are a little bit skeptical, but 
they decide to sort of go along with it anyway. Mm. And they sort of – I mean even airheads know that you, people need to hear the song before <laughs> – you know. Yeah, that's right. This podcast episode is a companion piece to two weeks ago when we talked about airheads. <laughs> right. yeah, this is go. essentially, I think, the female version of airheads. <laughs> <laughs> I mean poor Tara Reid's character is – Oh, my God. They do not paint her with a, with a fine brush at all. <laughs> no. No, they don't. No. no. But they do decide to take the record deal, and they decide that they will stick together and be friends no matter what happens, and they decide to make a pact on their bus pass. Right. Which is what everyone swears on Riverdale, apparently. <laughs> That's why you can lie in court there. Yeah. <laughs> their judicial system is oh, just completely flawed. bonkers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they're on their way. They're on the way to being rock superstars. Well, they even take a private jet. Yep. Flies them to New York. It mm-hmm. even flies their weird old manager and his sister yeah. that are there for some reason. And as the sister explains, they're there because they were in the comic. <laughs> yeah. A very meta moment. I mean, she's she's much younger than the – she was in Dodgeball and she's like this character actor that's been a lot of things. Oh, yeah? Um, she was – in Galaxy Quest as one of the people that kind of, you know, the Vulcan-esque people. Nice. Yeah, she's very fun. Well, this movie has a great cast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Breck and Meyer. <laughs> Breck and Meyer, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, like, Alan Cumming is the bad guy. I mean, he carries the movie for us. He's, he's very, he chews at the scenery a lot. Yeah. But that's what we want from him. We want somebody who's, like, over the top, who mm-hmm. is hammy and... Over dramatic. That's what Alan Cumming is fucking great at. Yes. You know? Yeah. He gave it as the MC in Cabaret. He gives it here. <laughs> and we take it. We, we take, take it. it gladly. Yeah. But not everything is all cool in rock and roll land. <laughs> Did you just call New York rock and roll land? Yeah. Okay. I was speaking more of the metaphorical rock and roll uh, land that we all live in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because these record company execs, they don't want the band for their music or their friendship or the things that they talk about in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. There seems to be something else. And they already start pitting the band against each other. Like, for example, the band is originally just called The Pussycats. Right. It's a tribute to that John Lennon, Harry Nilsson album. Okay. Sweet. But Wyatt, (laughs) he changes the name to... Josie and the Pussycats. Right. Just like Rod Stewart had to record for a time as Rod Stewart and the Faces. It's – you know exactly how this goes. I, well, I do. I know everything about music, Rob. <laughs> so they seem to be positioning her, Josie, yeah. as the star of this show and the rest of the band as like, you know – Yeah, they're creating a hierarchy. Up. Yeah. And That's they're trying to create cool. that kind of infighting there. I don't know what to what end though. Because they kind of need the band to be together to perform these songs to, like, get this. Have you ever heard of a tape player? <laughs> but, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're totally right. But, the uh, you know, they need to, to create this mass market hypnosis that they're going to do to get people to buy things. And in the end, they do need them to play this show. So I don't know why. Anyway. They need Josie. See, right. you don't understand. In the pop hierarchy, there's a few different you – know, there's levels. Right. You There's can be the in a band, cook, right? <laughs> and then you can be a solo artist. So they want to Gwen Stefani, oh. Josie. Mm. When was the last time you heard from No Doubt? I, I I don't know. They were probably in a plane crash. <laughs> oh, God. 
if, if, if that happens tomorrow, you're going to feel real bad. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm yeah. sure they're not traveling by plane anymore. Well, also, it's kind of like the the weird thing is it's a little callous to kill a band in a plane crash. Cause what? Because that happens so often to, to like musicians. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it does happen a lot to musicians. Yeah. John Denver, mm-hmm. Leonard Skinner. The Big Bopper and Buddy Holly and the other guy. It almost got Travis Barker from Blink-182. Right, that's right. And that's why they got back together. <laughs> you mentioned that on last week's podcast when we were talking to Ann Donahue. She said she was yes. in a horrific accident. And you were like, that's how Blink-182 got back together. <laughs> I totally forgot. We used to we used to find a way to like wedge Die Hard into our podcast. And now I'm like, it's the Mark Travis and Tom show. Okay. Damn on. you, Blaine. <laughs> Like you needed an excuse to wedge Blink-182 into this movie as if the music doesn't sound pretty much like a Blink-182 song. Yeah, it's definitely pop punk. It's definitely taking the the Blink-182 model of pop punk. And in fact, Blink-182 is even cited as the directors as the sort of musical direction oh, okay. that the Josie and the Pussycats would go in. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I see that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But we haven't even talked about the Pussycats much themselves mm-hmm. because we have Josie. Right. Rachel Lee Cook. We have Rosario Dawson. Yeah, as Valerie. And we have Tara Reid. As Melody. That's just a stereotype. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, ladies, how'd our set go? You would know if you had been there. Hey, honey, I'm running a management company here. I can't be everywhere at once. Oh, wouldn't that be cool, though, if you could? I could be here and in there. And I could be in the living room and in the family room and over here. Alexander, you don't have any other clients. Where else do you need to be? On the streets. Yeah, it was really hard to watch all of Tara Reid's performance. Yeah, I mean, all these characters are pretty big because they're doing the satire kind of parody thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, here at Rewatchability, we like to to call out the uh, bad 90s movie stereotype of, of women in particular. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, maybe this gets a pass because they're trying to do a satire. They're trying to do a parody. Do yeah, think? possibly. And the one thing that I do have to say for it, though, you know, it made me uncomfortable throughout the movie. It made my girlfriend feel uncomfortable throughout the movie. Right. And... The one thing I would say about it... Oncoming stare to the camera. (laughs) Yeah. But at the end, Josie says, Melody, the reason I love you so much is that you believe anything is possible. Right. And I thought that was kind of nice. A a cool way to say uneducated. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying, you know, some people are smart. Some people are quick. Some people are not as smart. That doesn't mean that they aren't lovely people who you can respect. Right. Or play the drums in your band. Sweet. That bodes well for me. (laughs) (laughs) You can't join my band. Damn it. (laughs) But while they're in New York, they do the obligatory makeover montage. Mm. And they also get a party thrown for them by the head of the record company, played by Parker Posey. She's uh, she's pretty delightful in this movie. Parker Posey's fucking amazing. <laughs> she is fucking amazing. I love all the high fashion she's wearing, like all the, like the weird like I almost fly fishing flies that she has stuck to her body at one point. Oh yeah, like, it's so strange. It's so strange, and she just really wants to be. It, it feels like she's almost this weird female version of like a, like a 
Arrested Development, like almost Michael Jackson thing without all the without all that shit behind it. But right. like the 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 woman who just wants her childhood back a little bit, you mm-hmm. know. And so she's trying to become friends with Josie and the Pussycats because she just wants girlfriends. She just wants people to like her. She just wants to be the popular girl in school. Yeah, and she wants to control the masses through subliminal messages. But we learn in the end it's only to make the masses like her, which is like the saddest thing ever. I mean, it's sad and pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is why I assume all evil billionaires do their thing. I assume that Jeff Bezos, whenever we order something from Amazon, he's like, oh, somebody's thinking of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have Amazon Smile. <laughs> it's like, just please make me smile. Make me smile. Yeah. It was, while they're at the party, Parker Posey invites Josie into her girl's room. Mm-hmm. And this is where she starts trying to, like, pry her away from the other band members. Mm-hmm. And we also find out that, uh, and they play it for laughs here, that she has, like, a lisp. Yeah. That's a weird thing that they give her... And it's not something that everyone is, like, kosher with? No. <laughs> or that the audience is supposed to be like, hey, that's an actual impediment that people have, and uh, and we should respect that. They're like, no, no, no. This makes her evil, <laughs> mm. which mm. is not the greatest message Well, to disabilities make people evil. Oh, wow. That's what I've learned from TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also uh, Josie. Richly Cook, she has kind of this guy that she's been into for a long while. Yes. That's into Alan her. M., who Alan is M. a dreamboat. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like a young James Spader. Mm. But I lankier. I can see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He is tall, and he has a guitar and a soul patch. <laughs> <laughs> and he's always singing, and he doesn't know how to fix his own car. No. That's what we learn. Yeah. Josie Josie has like a huge crush on him and they seem like they like really like each other, mm-hmm. but her fame ends up getting in the way of their love. Yeah. yeah. Because Alan Cumming, he tells I mean it's a great scene actually <laughs> where he tells Josie that uh, Alan's concert was canceled. And she's like, oh, well, I'll just call him. Then he's like, no, 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 don't call him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he picks up the phone and is like, ah, front desk. Oh, yeah, there was a message left. It's, it's great. He's covering all his tracks all the time. Oh, I'm so sorry, Josie. I forgot to tell you. Alan M called my office earlier. Uh, they cancelled his show. They did? Yes. Why didn't he call me here? Um, I'm sure he did. In fact, I'm sure if you go down to the front desk, there'll be a message waiting for you. Excuse me. Yes, there's a message waiting for you now. You guess I should call him? Um, he also said to say that he uh, won't be available for several hours and he'll call you when he can. Uh, there's some great run-on jokes like that that uh-huh. are very much like Simpsons Family Guy kind of jokes where they keep on coming back. One of them was with Parker Posey where she's talking to the U.S. government and being like, yes, and that works just how I planned it. And he goes, sorry, what? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing. And she, she keeps on saying these things to herself that he overhears. And I was laughing so much at it. I thought it was uh, it was such a good joke and well done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. There's some great stuff in here. For sure. Yeah. Back to Alan M. I really identified with his character because I... You can't fix your car either. 
I don't drive, but I was also <laughs> the boyfriend to a much better musician. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's me too in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I it's... tried to drum, and my girlfriend at the time was a way better drummer than I would ever be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I recorded my my ex girlfriend's folk songs for her, and then I would try to like put on some like backing electric guitar, and then we delete that from the track. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. But the plan, mm-hmm. I mean, they do manage to separate Josie from the pussycats by tricking them in a pretty devious fashion. They tell Valerie and Melody that they're going to go on Total Request Live with Carson Daly, which was a huge cultural touchstone of right. the 90s. Like, yeah. everybody... Played on there. It was where all the good music came from. It's where it's where artists were made. Carson Daly. Carson Daly. And they go, but it's not the Total Request live set. No. It's uh, just a set with a bunch of cardboard cutouts. <laughs> and of famous people, too. Including the late Mr. Peanut. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> um, so Carson Daly, we find out, isn't the nice person that we all assumed he was. Not even assumed he was. No, no one assumed that. Uh, he's a murderer. Yeah. A stone-cold murderer. Well, he's in on the plan. So mm-hmm. I mean, this is the craziest scene in my mind because Carson Daly and this other guy who claims to be Carson Daly, right. they are going to beat Tara Reid and Rosario Dawson to death with baseball bats. Just it's like the... Negan from The Walking Dead. <laughs> just give him, like, guns or something. Isn't the U.S. Army funding this thing? Like, what? <laughs> just, you know, set him up. I, I assume that they want to do it the most horrific way. <laughs> That's how Carson gets his kicks. He doesn't ask to be paid for TRL. He just likes to bash somebody's skull in after every episode. It's <laughs> the most believable part of this whole movie. Yeah. He's just a stone-cold psychopath. But they, they kind of escape. Tara Reid kills the other guy. Or kills Carson Daly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, puts him off a building. Yeah. He does come back later all beat up, so he's not dead. Not quite dead. Yeah. You, know, you can't kill what cannot die. <laughs> he's a demon. <laughs> but while they are doing that, Josie has been listening to a remix of her new single. Right. And, you know, just walking around, and it starts to sort of affect her, and she doesn't know why. And when the girls come back, to tell them about their totally not cool Carson Daly experience. Yeah, they almost got murdered. She she doesn't she doesn't help. She's aloof. Yeah. She's kind of acting like a real see you next Wednesday. Oh my god. Yeah. That doesn't spell what you think it spells. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. <laughs> um, and and she she's not nice to them. No. You know? It's pretty hard to hear. And so they Well you hate to see it. You, you hate to see your, your friends become these people. Yeah, it's like she got red kryptonite or something. <laughs> yeah. She's like total dick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Josie, Carson Daly tried to kill us tonight, and I think it has something to do with our music. Why do you call it our music? Because... Are you even listening? I am listening very carefully. And do you know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing someone glomming on to my talent and my credit. But while she's walking down the street, she trips and her CD skips <laughs> because she has to deal with CDs. And then, like, the auto, you know, 
whatever, right. take some time yeah. to like, <laughs> oh, scan the thing. Right. And she suddenly can think for herself because it turns out that she was being subliminally messaged through her own song. And she was being subliminally messaged to be a bish. Yeah. That's hard. I mean, you really can't subliminally message people patreon.com. It won't work. <laughs> no. Uh, so you shouldn't even try. Yes. But Send uh, us your money. <laughs> but she comes free of it and realizes kind of what she's done and, and kind of has to go to this now concert in front of all these people to perform as Josie and the Pussycats and try to get the Pussycats back together. Mm-hmm. But they have the Pussycats captured and they're going to like force her to sing – it, and if they don't, then they're going to make the Pussycats get into a car accident. Yeah. They already had the news recorded. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like that James Bond movie. Like, yeah. Today's news tomorrow or today's news tomorrow is just you getting the paper late. I don't know. That's not their slogan. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, she's going to do it, but they end up, um, I don't know. I guess they just get into like a fight. They have like a cat fight. Yeah. And the Pussycats are going to win a cat fight. They were born for this. Yeah. I don't like that the climax comes down to just violence. <laughs> they, they just settle it with violence. Well, and like not just violence. It's like fake. It's cat fighting. Like it <laughs> seems like it's being done for a male audience's pleasure. Right. Yeah. It seems It seems a little weird. But I do like the end of it where – the reason that Parker Posey is doing this kind of comes to light, and then Alan Cumming, right? Like he is like it's just yeah. a fake accent, and because I, they've been using this machine, the yeah. Mega Sound Eight Thousand, to put the subliminal messages in, and Parker Posey is like about to like beat Josie to death with a electric guitar. Right. <laughs> I mean, live by the sword, die by the sword, I guess. But she instead hits the Mega Sound Eight Thousand, and it starts going on the spritz, and it plays her sad. Subliminal message, which is, you know, please just like me. Mm-hmm. Isn't that isn't that sad? Like, you know, Judas Priest used in the 80s to invoke Satan and make kids try to kill themselves. And <laughs> she just wants it to be liked. What a what a misuse of power. Hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I love that Alan Cumming is this uh, guy that used to know her, know her in high school. And right. they were both kind of losers in high school. Yeah, that's right. He got made fun of because he's albino. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wasn't sure about that either. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, they were really whitewashing that Is albino that face a thing? <laughs> So they kind of they kind of get together, but then they also get to prison. So uh, they might not be together for a while. But that's yeah. kind of the happy ending for them. It's and, a happy ending. And Josie and the Pussycats, they get to play in front of all these people. But she takes off the cat ears and mm-hmm. has everybody else take off the cat ears. So when she plays, she's earning their right. You know, yeah. Think for yourself for themselves. Yeah, that's right. And she has like a good message, and she's mm. doing it the right way, and she's rocking out the way that she always wanted to rock out. Yeah. And then that's the end of the movie. That's the end of uh, end of Josie and the. P- I assume they die after that in a plane crash. <laughs> in a plane crash. Yeah. yeah. On the way back. That's to why they Riverdale. made a movie out of them because <laughs> yeah. it was a tragic story. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Six long hours. <laughs> this is the sad version. Oh, God. Yeah, just in memorandum. Tori Amos played it at their funeral. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Not a dry eye in the house. <laughs> and that's Josie and the Pussycats. 
So I have a lot more to talk about with the behind the scenes and the trivia. I can't wait to hear about it. But first, this interlude. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We are talking about Josie and the Pussycats. And Blaine, I've got some questions to see whether or not you're worthy of being a pussycat. Dude, I answer, I I know everything. I've answered everyone that you've ever asked me correctly. I'm going to continue the theme now. I'm going to answer all these correctly today. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. Are you gaslighting me? (laughs) I'm rewriting history, man. It was like listening to President Trump speak. (laughs) I'm the best. It was a perfect phone call. Totally not impeachable. Look, I decided to skip the whole subliminal messaging and just go strong with liminal messaging. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Damn it. I have no defense. Okay, so these are some tough ones for you. Okay. Because rock and roll, deal with it. I thought these were all going to be about cats, so I really read <laughs> up on, on felines. What is the Jellicle Ball? <laughs> no, seriously. It's like a sack right near there. <laughs> okay, so first question, Blaine, mm. what alternative rock singer provided the singing voice of Josie for this movie? Alternative rock singer. Um, it's not Kurt Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> like Joan Jett or... Uh, oh, come on. Or, um, you called Joan Jett alternative rock? Alternative rock, okay. You were like, okay, what's the one female musician I can think no, of? No, because they're trying to be like punky. I feel I like know, I'm, I'm trying sorry. to think like a producer. Yes, yes. I don't know. Who, who is? Well, it was, in fact, uh, Kay Hanley from Letters from Cleo. Oh, Letters from Cleo. Yeah. Are you a fan of that band? I only saw them three times, so I can't really say. But I think they were on the soundtrack for uh, Empire Records, right? Letters to Cleo. Possibly, possibly. They did have a moment in another movie, which was going to be my B-side question. Oh, okay. But uh, you wouldn't get it, so. (laughs) It's a little obscure. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) You wouldn't know them. But actually, um, This is why I have to gaslight you, because you're so mean. (laughs) But Kay Hanley actually performed, and Letters from Cleo also performed in the movie Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, okay. Where she does a cover of a Nick Lowe song, Cruel to be Kind. Oh, nice. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Good trivia. Thanks. Number two. (laughs) So loaded. (laughs) Go on. So the original Josie and the Pussycats was a cartoon. At least two famous voices worked on that cartoon. Can you name either of them? (laughs) Can you answer anything? (laughs) Two famous voices. I'll give you a hint. One is known as a radio DJ, and the other is a Charlie's Angel. What, Diane Ladd? Is she one of the voices? Close. It's Cheryl Ladd. Cheryl Ladd. Diane Ladd was uh, fucking Laura Dern's mom. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's why I know. <laughs> but you get points for mentioning Laura Dern's mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it was a lad. I love Laura Dern. <laughs> 
But do you think she deserved her marriage story? I just saw a marriage story and like, oh, she was great. She was great. I no, they are rewarding her for something else. Did she win? I ha- didn't watch the Oscars. No, I think it was her marriage story. The, the you know she got the Oscar for. Yeah, I know, but it's like a career Oscar. They're yeah, giving it for to sure. her because they couldn't give it to her for Blue Velvet. Yeah, and Jurassic Park, The Last Jedi, <laughs> and like that. the HBO show Enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Okay. Um, okay. So did you give? Okay, you got one of them half right. That's not hey, bad. Hey, I'm on the board. For a boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. The other one, I think, makes a lot of sense if you think of this as an Archie Comics adaptation because Radio DJ, it was obviously Casey Kasem. Okay. He played uh, the voice of Alexander Cabot, the uh, the boy manager. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. <laughs> Number one on the... <laughs> The Casey Kasem <laughs> hit radio parade. <laughs> he was still doing that, like, until he was 104, I think. <laughs> let, let me go. <laughs> Please. I do Scoop. Please let me leave. Yeah. You chained me to the studio. Yeah, he did Shaggy as well. Oh, there you go. So yeah. that's why. Okay. Yeah. So that was, you didn't, yeah, you did okay there. Mm-hmm. This one is. Uh, charitable? This one's a lot harder. Oh, good. This is... This Finally, is... a challenge. <laughs> okay, so Rachel Lee Cook, who plays Josie... Yes. ...and Parker Posey have worked together before. And, in fact, they play the same character in a movie, Jackie O. What movie? They play Jackie O in a movie? That's right. Uh, One plays young Jackie O, and the other plays regular Jackie O. Oh, Jesus. And, like... Fuck. I don't know, JFK? I don't know. What movie? It is not JFK. Yeah. It is The House of Yes. Do you know what that is? I have never heard of that movie in my life. So I remember seeing it a long time ago, and okay. I was definitely too young to be watching it because it's about this woman who she lives with her brother, and she calls herself Jackie O, and she's you know kind of crazy or something. Sure, but she has like this weird incestuous relationship with her brother, who she refers to as. Jack or JFK throughout the whole movie. Mm, it's cool. a crazy movie. It's based on a play, but yes. Sounds like the house of Nope. That's what it sounds <laughs> it like. It does sound like the house of Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Rachel E. Cook plays the young Jackie O in that. Oh, okay. And then Parker Posey, it's one of her great roles, wow. plays the elder Jackie O. Cool. That that actually kind of sounds pretty interesting. It's it's. I mean, I would love to watch that movie again. Yeah. But I have no reason to, no. and I'm not going to do it for the podcast. I mean, but I just probably come being... up on Pornhub, so it's fine. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh... <laughs> okay. So the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. Blaine. Do you know uh, this is kind of trivia? Do you know what the director <laughs> and writer of this movie are sort of best known for doing? Uh no. What? Well, they did a little movie called Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it definitely felt like Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, there are definitely some... It has, like, the teenage feel. Yeah, Seth Green? It definitely has the Seth Green. (laughs) I mean, there are several actors. I think pretty much everyone from DuJour was in Can't Hardly Wait. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Breck and Meyer. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that was a huge movie for them and sort of got them started... The next thing they did after that was the uh, a very Brady sequel. 
Okay. So they got a little bit of a reputation for being able to do sort of fun teen adaptations of older nostalgic properties. I mean, this movie is a cross between those last two movies you mentioned. That's right. Yes, it's a crossbreed. But though it was a well-funded movie, they spent about $39 million on it. I mean, at the time, it was a huge flop. It only made back... Under $50 million. So that's like basically... Under 50 or 15? 15. Oh, damn. So that's less than half of its you know, nice. budget. That's not even covering the marketing budget and stuff. No. So it was a pretty big flop. And at the time, like people really weren't into it. Like, for example, Roger Ebert gave it half a star. I mean, I can kind of see that. It's so on the nose. It's so – but it, that's kind of what the satire is about. That's kind of part of the parody of it is that it's so broad and big and easy. Well, yeah. he said that Josie and the Pussycats is not dumber than the Spice Girls, but it is as dumb. Right. That is uh, that's a pretty harsh critique and uh, <laughs> and I mean, you go listen to our Spice Girls, Spice World. We defend that movie. We defend that movie. It's a great movie. But yeah, I think this is kind of along the same lines. It's it's not for you, Ebert. You know, right? Uh, it's uh, I think that's that's what's hard. It is dumb, but I think it revels in that, and I think it it tries to bring something interesting and say something interesting with those broad strokes. So mm-hmm. I, I I feel like that's a bit harsh. Half a star. It's a bit harsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there were a lot of the other critical opinions weren't much better. So it just wasn't a, a big success, though recently it sort of had a bit of a cult resurgence. Mm-hmm. I believe that right here in Toronto, TIFF is screening it at, is screening it with a special guest or something like That's that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And it's also it's had a few other looks at it. Like mm-hmm. they a few years ago they released the soundtrack on vinyl. And so to sort of coincide with that, they had a big screening at the Arclight. Nice. Yeah. So it's been given its critical due since then. Mm -hmm. And Nathan Rabin, who used to write for the AV Club, he did one of his My Years of Flops entries on this movie. Okay. That was the column where he would talk about a movie that has been like sort of passed by people, a bit of a fiasco, and he sort of re-examined it, much like we do on this podcast. We didn't rip him off. (laughs) And he said that this was a secret success. Okay. Yeah. Like a secret success in, like, the movie, the filmmaking itself, or did it make its money back some other way? Like, it's a secret success in, like, it's a good movie. Not like it made back the money. (laughs) No. No. It didn't didn't make back any money. It's a failure. (laughs) Well, it's a cult film. Yeah. Which means that it didn't make any money, but a few people still like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In fact, the directors, I read this big oral history of Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, cool. Yeah, which was done by The Fader, put together by Leah Mandel. And they said that they didn't intend for this to be a cult movie because... The goal of movies is to make money. <laughs> yeah, and you can see that. It. I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it again probably in this podcast, but it's broad. It's trying to appeal to a large swath of people. The subversive nature of it is pretty light, I'd say, mm-hmm. here and there. Um, and the satire is pretty light, too. So you could really read it as kind of, I think, like Ebert did, just like this dumb movie that is trying to appeal to the most people. But it, it does have 
its audience, and I'm glad it found it after it uh, yeah. after it aired. Yeah, some critics also found it hypocritical because they thought that for a movie to be talking about commercialism like this and to also feature the sort of ubiquitous product placement that it does, they thought that that was hypocritical. I kind of think that they're being ironic. Yeah, I think they can they can get away with it. I, you know, in um, I think. Kevin Smith would have used Ronald McDonald instead of Mooby the Calf if he could have without getting sued, right? Like yeah. you, you want to be as real world about these things as you're talking about them. And I think teens are smart enough to to hate the things that they hate. <laughs> you know, they're they're gonna, well, they're gonna rail a little bit against McDonald's. I don't know. I don't know. No? I don't know about that. I mean, when we were kids, like there was a lot of rebellion. Mm-hmm. Like, we yeah. had, like, Adbusters. I was just about to say Adbusters. We had Adbusters. We were great. Oh, man. I remember, yeah, we read Adbusters a lot when I was a, in high school. And it was just like, fuck the man. And, like, all the, like McDonald's is the worst. It's the oil of the fast food. Anyway. And so we'd have all that. And music was a way to express that uh, kind of counterculture stuff. And so I think they're catch- capturing that a little bit in this movie as as they do promote it, but I think you can only promote you. You have to show it in order to take it down, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah, I think so. Like the Adbusters promoted McDonald's when it had like the killer clown on its on its like cover. Yeah, but that's it, the only reason I eat McDonald's now. <laughs> I read an old Adbusters. It's like a golden arch is covered in dirt, and I'm like, I should have a McDouble. <laughs> they have salads now. I'll go. <laughs> Yeah, not have a salad, but <laughs> no, I'll no. Go. But they have the option. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the satire isn't super deep or nuanced, but I think, you know, I think why it feels like a relief mm-hmm. in a way to see them at least addressing it is because it's so bad. And now I think like we sort of made a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. Like we sort of decided that okay. Corporations used to be bad. They used to do bad things. We decided corporations would be bad. And then we were like, corporations do good things. <laughs> and then corporations started doing tiny, tokenistic good things. Yeah. So now we're like inundated with like, I don't know. I saw like a, a billboard that was like the leaders of tomorrow. And it was an absolute vodka ad. Yeah. Like, come on. They call it corporate social responsibility. And it's it's kind of... It's kind of gaggy. But we (laughs) buy into it. We buy into it so hard. Like when we, you know, when we like a corporate social media account that has a funny meme or, you know, when our favorite celebrity does this or when they put into our show in like a fun way that doesn't make us feel bad. We're still like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think. I love you, Facebook. (laughs) And I think companies are, are, are willing to put their. Um, logos into subversive things like you know community when Subway was a person and he's like no I'm Subway right uh, well they... NBC when Thirty Rock was on they right. made fun of NBC General Electric you know for being warmongers and terrible yeah and it made them a whole bunch of money yes. Yeah, because they kind of found out that if you get in on the joke, you can control the joke. Like, if you tell them the message, you can control the message. So, yeah, and if it looks like you have a sense of humor about yourself, then... people then... will forgive you for war crimes. God damn it. Yeah. This world sometimes, man. Um, Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I think, too, that it's totally changed because not only are we liking the companies that are now in on the joke... 
this younger generation because of social media is 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 the advertisement. Yeah. Like seeing people post on Facebook or or like YouTube and their whole identity is wrapped up in their one sponsor, Patreon Comps. Like I, I think that uh, it's just it's just kind of a it's a bad it's a bad look and it kind of gives me a little bit of worry. Right. That people have their whole livelihoods wrapped up in this one makeup line that they have to push all the time in their makeup tutorials online. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a little sad. I mean, yeah, they should remake this movie about influencers, basically. Yeah, yeah. And we've all become advertisements. Like, there's subreddits where it's just like, buy it for life or something like that, where it's just people constantly doing free advertisement for product. Do we need it? No, we don't need that. We don't need to be doing that. (laughs) I need it all, Blaine. I need more stuff. (laughs) I can't get enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. They put a lot of uh, they put they did put a lot into this movie, so I think that's one of the reasons why it uh, it sort of has gained a bit of success. Like for example, the soundtrack they put a lot of work in. They had a lot of guest singers. Can you guess who produced the soundtrack? Uh, T Bone Burnett. Yes. <laughs> no, it's Carter Burwell. <laughs> okay. No. Sweet. There you go. <laughs> no, half the soundtrack was uh, produced by Babyface. Okay. Who has a small cameo in the movie as a member of Captain and Tennille, the chief? Okay. Did you see that? <laughs> no. That was funny. I was like, this is a funny joke. Don't know what Josie of the Pussycats fans are going to get it. <laughs> Fair enough. And the other half was uh, produced by Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. Oh, yeah. Are they, are they a good band? They're like a, they went full pop with the pop punky thing. Right. Yeah, too so. pop for you. <laughs> no, they had some really catchy songs. I think they're more of a one-hit wonder. People right. describe them as that way. Yeah, but sounds like they went. Wait, on to what do did things. they sing? Did they sing Stacy's mom? She's got it going on, Rob. Fuck, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I keep on getting them confused with like Bowling for Soup or something like that. Right, that's another one. They're, they're all I. I kind of it's all good memories but whenever I hear those. That's your jam, isn't it? Like that genre. Kind of, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I do. I do like some pop punk. Yeah, and I I like where pop punk's gone, like the Menzingers and and stuck out here, which is a Toronto band. Like mm-hmm. it's it's gone good places. Yeah, and it had maybe to go there, but I think it I think it kind of wore out its its welcome real fast in the public eye. Yeah, it's a bit like in your face. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Some of the other people that they had working on the soundtrack were. Uh, Jane Wydland of the Goo Goos. Uh, not the Goo Goos, the Go-Go's. <laughs> <laughs> Goo Goo. Uh, Which I think is this essential. If you're doing a movie about women who rock, you have to yeah. have uh, one of the Go-Go's yeah, for writing sure. for it. Also, they had singing backup vocals because Rachel Lee Cook didn't sing the uh, real the lead vocals. Mm-hmm. She was backup as well as uh, Tara Reid and Rosario Dawson as well as Biff Naked. Oh, cool! Yeah, Canadian rocker. Yeah, yeah. She's she's great. I do. I like her music as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like they really got, and even just from the writers on the uh, the screenplay to this, like they knew they were making a, a movie for women, and they and they actually let women in on it. Well, one of the seems like it. One of the writers is a woman. So the writer and director were Deborah Kaplan and her partner Harry Elfont. 
Right. So they worked together on everything. Mary they worked. Lafonte. That's right. <laughs> yes. They worked together on Can't Hardly Wait and the uh, the Brady thing, and also they are still working together. They haven't done any movies since this one that they've directed, but I know that they also wrote the screenplay for Surviving Christmas and Maid of Honor, and they've also had shows that have been on recently. One is called Liza On Demand. Oh. So they're still doing stuff. That's great. Yeah. Honestly, for a husband-wife team to like work together and live together and be married and probably raise kids together, like, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's, uh, it's cool that they, they did that. Yeah. Together. Yeah. They must have really good communication. <laughs> they must have really good communication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was like a super influential movie. In the oral history that I read, there was a lot of musicians, people who were members of bands speaking up to be like, yes, maybe it should have been something cooler, but this was the movie that taught me as a girl that I could pick up a guitar. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then, yes, Maybe it's not the most punk rock thing to get into music through Josie and the Pussycats, but it also led them to discover Letters to Cleo through the soundtrack and then other music from there. So it opened the gate for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's why, like, pop music and this is a pop movie, like, are so important is because the widest swath of people see them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, representation clearly matters in this, too. Mm -hmm. And it didn't just influence... Musicians it oh. may have also influenced filmmakers because there is a cameo. I mean, not a cameo because nobody knew who they were at the time. But both of the Saska sisters, who just directed that remake of Rabbit, the David Cronenberg film, oh, cool. they are uh, extras in this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, I heard that not only uh, you know influenced musicians and directors, but uh, a certain someone saw this movie and said, well, if they can do it, I can too, and he became president. It was it was Trump. Trump saw this movie, and he be no no <laughs> no, no. But you know what is surprising though is I read that Babyface mm. talked to Howard Stern, and oh. Howard Stern said that he actually fucking loves the soundtrack record to this. Oh, nice! And he said it's one of his favorite records, which is would be a weird thing for Howard Stern to say, and I like believe him. Right? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I'm gonna have to listen to the soundtrack now. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, sounds like it's right I think, up my alley. I think you might like it. All right. Well, it's on vinyl now, so we can go grab it from Sonic Boom after the podcast. Sonic Boom, I need records. (laughs) (laughs) Now they have to give us free records, right? (laughs) I need it. I need uh, to capitalize on this. What Uh, else do we got? So, oh, one interesting thing was in the casting, there wasn't a lot of information I found about the casting for most of the characters. However, I did find out that they did audition several people for the part of Valerie, Mm. who are notable, like... A little someone named Beyonce. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And apparently she was shy and quiet. So, yeah, it doesn't really sound like Beyonce. (laughs) Because she's confident and fierce. (laughs) That's, yeah, I mean, this movie might have ruined her career. You never know, right? Austin Powers 3 didn't ruin her career. (laughs) It's true. True. I mean, Beyonce... Before she was Beyonce, I mean, she was still Beyonce, but she wasn't the Beyonce that we Beyonce Beyonce. Right. She was in some stinkers. Uh. <laughs> she had she had a she had a movie career, and then she stopped. <laughs> 
But also, they auditioned Aaliyah. Okay. And yeah. uh, also, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Oh, damn. Yeah. All right. So every female R&B singer <laughs> from the 90s. <laughs> oh, God. The casting sheet for that must have been inappropriate, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I'm glad Rosaria Dawson was she, she was She was fun, and I feel like she gave that character a little more depth than was on the page, yeah. uh, personally, for mm-hmm. me. Because I think all she was supposed to be was like the jealous kind of girl of the of the group and then you had the dumb one and then you had the face of it mm-hmm. and Tara Reed really hit that that one message real mm-hmm. uh, good but I think Rosario Dawson kind of felt you know I felt like there was some acting in there and I liked oh that. yeah she's great I yeah. mean you know yeah you know I mean since she's obviously uh, proven herself over and over and over again but like this must have been one of her first uh, big movies well I mean she was famously discovered for kids I'd never seen kids I've never seen kids either. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Maybe we should watch kids. Next week on Rewatchability, <laughs> kids. <laughs> no. No. And then grown-ups. We're going to compare the two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's all I have about Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. Other than, like, we, you did mention before, like, it is a weird movie to be talking about as a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that we do try to do is we try to get women to come on the podcast. <laughs> they usually won't take my number. <laughs> you just can't approach them on the street. <laughs> that's the that's the problem there. But, we, I mean, we do ask them sometimes to talk about movies that we would have missed when we were a kid because sure. they are marketed towards women. Yeah. And sometimes they want to do that. And sometimes they don't want to talk about movies that are sort of like stuck in the like girl ghetto <laughs> right. of things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult because we're also not car guys and we've got some <laughs> Some feedback from like people that were like, "Well, you don't like the Fast and Furious series because like you don't like car action movies." And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, I guess that wasn't designed for us either. But like, hopefully, we can see past our own limitations and talk about a movie for sure. And right now, there's a bit of a conversation going on about mm-hmm. the way that men watch films, right? And People are saying that, like... Put your pants on, man. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> For example, like, Little Women right. wasn't as successful as it could have been because men weren't going to see it in the theaters. And now they're saying Birds of Prey is probably not going to be a box office success because men aren't going to see it. Right. So, I mean, I think that we should be able to look at movies regardless. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And we should also try to do better... In understanding things that are outside of our own experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we talked about this movie. Yeah. Blaine, did you think this was, however, a rewatchable movie? For Chick Flick? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Around. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, I, 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 uh, I really liked it. I mean, like I said, uh, Parker Posey made me laugh so many times and Alan Cumming yeah. was so funny. Oh, and... they're so good. I would watch a show of them. <laughs> yeah. Just like two evil people chewing up the scenery. Rachel Lee Cook, I, ha- I haven't seen in much. Um, I don't think I ever saw She's All That. You uh, haven't seen She's All That? No. Okay, which we is, have to do She's All That. Which is a blind spot for me. And I totally get it. She's wonderful. She carries a movie. She is a very charismatic. I, I, yeah, I just appreciated what she brought to the movie. You know uh, what my biggest problem with her performance is? What? I mean, we're from... Canada, mm. Ontario. Mm-hmm. The name Josie is a popular name for certain people. It feels like 
It feels like she was English washed. I feel like she should have been French Canadian. <laughs> like her hair, like her feathered hair and her like eyebrows. Oh, yeah. She looks she looks and she feels so French Canadian. Yeah, that was Quebecois for sure. <laughs> totally. No, you're so Je right on that. Les pussycat, les yeah. chats, les chats pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, oh, we, we grew up in the Northern Ontario <laughs> education system right there. Yeah, no, it's it's the dyed hair, the feather. It's perfect. You're totally right. Yep. It would have been great if she was, uh, you know, Le Josie. Le Josie. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, maybe, uh, maybe a bit. Uh, uh, so, but yeah, she she was great. Tara Reid was really funny, too. Yeah. Uh, she did have that one note to play, which I kind of felt bad for. But she plays it well. She played it well. Well, and for a big box office movie geared toward teens, there was a lot of potential death, right? And violence, which I kind of liked. Uh, I liked that there were stakes, that they were brainwashing all these teens and making the teens be like, Well, am I being brainwashed by this fucking movie? Like, it yeah. kind of it, it, it is a little subversive, and I, a pleasant surprise. So uh, I'm going to say it's rewatchable, especially if you watch this as a kid. I think revisiting this, you'll get a lot out of it. So yeah. what about you, Rob? I agree. I, I went in with, I think, fairly high expectations. I thought it was going to be pretty good, and I think it delivered. I was laughing at a lot of the comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Parker Posey's amazing. Like, yeah. ah. And like the other, the other people are great too. I mean, there's lots of like really good comedy. I f- do feel like sometimes, sometimes it does sort of like stop the flow of the movie. Like some of the jokes do. Yeah. And like, in a way, it almost seems to pave the way for the sort of like Disney teen comedies that don't make a lot of sense to me. I guess. Yeah, and the plotting was like so easy like it was just like oh she'll trip over this instead of coming up with like a better way for her to get out of it you mm-hmm. know that's part of her character part of anyone else's character but you kind of forgive that because it's just it's it's a silly nine it's so 90s and it was 2001 i know but it's so 90s it's so 90s yeah. and also the songs are really catchy yeah like they i can't get that song out of my head yeah the one with the with the numbers and it, the words it, it's, it sounds like you're lying right now <laughs> i can't get that one song with the things out of my head uh, it's totally in there can never forget it <laughs> yeah no but uh yeah it's there's there's a bit of earworming going on in there a bit of earworming yeah it makes it sound grosser when you put the ing on it eh <laughs> what are you doing oh Ooh. i'm earworming yeah <laughs> yeah so i'd say rewatchable rewatchable And that's rewatchability for this week. Thank you, Lacey, for requesting Josie. So glad that we got to watch that movie. So, Rob, do you think it was a campy, iconic masterpiece? I do. It was a pleasure to watch, and it's not something we would normally do because we only saw bits and pieces of it as a kid. So uh, this is great. So keep the requests coming, people. Yeah, and you can request another movie. Not you who just requested one. I mean, you can too. <laughs> By emailing us at rewatchability at gmail.com, or you can go to rewatchability and click on the speak Pipe link and leave us a message there. Yeah, or that's a cool way of doing it because then you can be on the podcast. You can be on the podcast. Yeah. Or you can go to Facebook or Twitter. We're on both of those. And if you'd like to, please leave a Patreon donation on our Patreon. <laughs> or just a Patreon. <laughs> just leave a Patreon. Yeah, just do that Patreon thing. Patreon it. Yeah. And until next week, rock on. And keep buying stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.